1: We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine.
0: Welcome back to Detours in to Neverland. Today's episode number two hundred and twenty-five. So, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Monday! If you are listening on release day, it is hard to believe we are in October, but we are continuing our storytelling series today with an attraction that I have historically loved to hate. But I think you'll hear throughout this episode, I'm coming around on it. I'm starting to find some redeeming qualities. And of course, that attraction is Seven Dwarves Mind Train.
1: And this definitely goes along with what we talked about last week in our storytelling series with Snow White's Scary Adventures. The two have a lot of ties for sure. I mean, they share the same source material. So if you haven't listened to Snow White Scary Adventure, I would encourage you to go back and maybe listen to that one first because they'll tie in together.
0: Yeah. So, of course, if you are new here, our goal in these episodes is to take a look at these different Disney attractions and try to view them from a storytelling angle so that the next time you ride them, you get a deeper appreciation for it. Or maybe you catch something new or you pull out... Uh, a new emotion from riding it, and I think the big theme that we're going to kind of hit home on this one, and I'm interested to know if you picked up on the same things, are that there, there's more to this attraction than meets the eye. There's, I'm not saying that's a, there's a lot. It's but, a very short ride, but there's more than you, than at least than I initially understood.
1: I would say that's fair. I think in our research, we've learned a lot about it. And I think um, some of the subtle nods or some of the extra things that we've started to notice, especially since, you know, we were the kind of people who were originally no fast pass, no ride, because the lines do get long. I think now we've had a better opportunity to ride the ride some more so we get to see more than we had in the past so i mean we appreciate that and we appreciate a good story and i think this ride does tell a story
0: so let's lay the groundwork for some of the foundations of it this attraction opened on may 28th 2014 as part of the new fantasy land expansion in the magic kingdom so where it sits was previously Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea But it wasn't back-to-back. Of course, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea closed way prior to that, and they just filled that lake, and it was empty for a while. And then it also bleeds a little bit over into where Toontown used to be as well. That's another discussion. I miss Toontown so much.
1: I mean, I think for us, Toontown just, like, screamed childhood. I mean, I can't tell you how many pictures I have in, like, Minnie and Mickey's houses. I mean, we would spend forever back there. So I agree. It's sad to lose Toontown. I'm glad we still have it in Disneyland. But you have to admit, New Fantasyland is incredible.
0: So if you're not familiar with what that expansion brought. So thinking about all those areas, like the Little Mermaid area, uh, Be Our Guest was part of that. The Enchanted Tales with Belle and then they also refurbished where Snow White's Scary Adventure was and turned that into Princess Fairy Tale Hall, where now you can meet who? Tiana, Rapunzel, Cinderella, Tinkerbell? No, Tinkerbell's up front.
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe that Elena of Avalar. Avalar, maybe for a while. Maybe
0: it's a rotating thing.
1: It probably is.
0: So that's kind of where we sit. And now it's sandwiched in there right in between Little Mermaid and Winnie the Pooh. It has a massive footprint. It does. And I think that kind of brings me, as we're talking about some of these key stats, the biggest elephant in the room is the length of this ride. So it is two minutes and 50 seconds long. For an attraction with that big of a footprint and with that long of a wait that normally happens, I think that's where a lot of people check out. And I'm guilty of it. I've been guilty of it for years that if you wait two hours, it's simply not worth the payoff. And so I think for the sake of this discussion, we just have to get past that. So we have to assume that you have a fast pass or <laughs> assume that you rope dropped it, whatever it might be. I guess, you know, we don't get too much into park planning or anything like that. But my suggestion would be don't wait more than 45 minutes for this.
1: Well, I I will say, I mean, that's just kind of our motto for everything is that we don't wait. But I could see that if you have kids and, you know, this is like an intro roller coaster, in a way, you're almost making an investment by doing this one before taking them on like a slinky or a big Thunder Mountain or something like that. And I mean, for kids, I think the allure is there. I mean, maybe for parents or Siblings, or whatever it might be, the waiting isn't very glamorous, but.
0: Eh. So, you brought up one of my first points that I had about this and the role that it plays in that. Used, to, I think many, many Disney kids' first roller coaster, especially people who are our age, it's always the barnstormer. Always. Yeah. Has this completely killed the Barnstormer?
1: Oh, I hope not.
0: When's the last time we rode the Barnstormer?
1: We're probably too... Can we even fit in the Barnstormer anymore? I mean, I feel like the Barnstormer was built for toddlers. Maybe our niece could fit. But I think that's about
0: it. I feel like in Disneyland, it's Gadgets Go Coaster. And in Disney World, it used to be Barnstormer. But now... I think a lot of kids' first roller coaster is Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And I almost, that makes me a little sad.
1: It makes me sad. I think when looking at the ride, though, I mean, there's definitely some angles because you can walk all the way around it. There's some angles where you can see some pretty decent drops. It's hard to kind of call them drops, but, you know, you can see that and it does look like it's going pretty fast. But then there's other parts of the ride where, you know, it doesn't seem too bad. Like it's kind of tame. I wonder if people choose Mind Train because like it looks a little more like happier and maybe less intimidating. Whereas Goofy's is still I mean, it still looks like a roller coaster. Right? It's obviously a very small roller coaster, but it looks like a roller coaster. So I wonder if it's still kind of intimidating. And I don't know what the height requirement is i'm not sure if there's a difference and if that has anything to do with it
0: i don't know i know it's 38 inches for seven doors mine train i would assume that barnstormer is very similar maybe slightly lower but probably not by much Mm -hmm. but i do think that there is a just from looking at it from the outside And the way that all of the earth is built up around this coaster, you don't see freestanding steel structures like you do in a normal roller coaster setting. It's kind of like Big Thunder Mountain in that way. I think some people would make that comparison that they're both kind of they're built up from the earth. And I like that about this one. Uh, But the turns are pretty sharp as well.
1: That's true. I mean, and the cart swings. So, I mean, I think that's like an additional thrill factor for a kid who's not used to riding it. But I mean, I think it ties in with technology too. I mean, I can't think of another roller coaster that swings like that.
0: No, I don't, I don't know if it's ever been done. I don't think it was done before. I don't know if it's been done after either. And that's another thing that I want to talk about. This is a unique attraction where This was fully developed within Walt Disney Imagineering fully in-house. They did not most attractions. They will go outside and get a third party consultant to help them develop the ride system or some aspect of it, you know, and they'll take care of the storytelling aspects of it. This one fully Walt Disney Imagineering. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: I mean, that's incredible. I wonder like why they decided to do that. Like, I wonder if they just had the idea And they thought they could do it themselves or like what made this particular attraction different than the others. Or if maybe it was just like a personal challenge, like, hey, I think we could do this. Let's see if we can. And they just kind of worked through it.
0: So let's start at the queue. What are some of the things in the queue that stand out for you? I think that this was maybe one of our first glimpses into what an interactive queue could be. And so there's three different interactive portions of the queue. You get the music notes, water, which Mm -hmm. I know you hate because it's like, you don't want the water to touch you. No, you get the kaleidoscope projections that are inside,
1: which are cool to look at if other people are
0: doing it. And then you get the jewel matching game. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I feel like you, Almost rarely get to stop at that one very long.
1: Well, I mean, because I feel like by the time that you get to that point in the line, it is fairly quickly moving because you're getting towards the inside. So you're getting closer to where you actually get on the ride. I think it's a nice touch. Um, They obviously knew that it was going to be a popular ride. Um, So just like Dumbo, you know, they tried to make it a little more interactive and it's a ride geared towards kids. So I think, you know, that's helpful, too. So, I love that technology aspect. And I like that all of the things tie into the story of Snow White. So, like the hand washing, I mean, that's a big scene in Snow White.
0: I never made that connection. Never. Really? Never.
1: That's what it made me think of. So, you have the hand washing. That was a pretty big deal. Snow White, you got to wash your hands before you eat. She was way ahead of her time. Um, the jewels obviously. Um, and that's, I guess that's the other two. So, I mean, I think it's showing a good, you know, different sides of the dwarves. Obviously you're going into the mine. So it makes sense that there's, you know, that connection there. So I think when thinking about the cue, besides the interactive part, there's a couple other things that kind of stand out to me too. Um, For one, you can see the cottage, kind of as you're walking into the line.
0: Especially if you do Fast Pass.
1: Especially for Fast Pass, and I think that's important because it ties the whole, you know, beginning of the ride and the end of the ride together. So again, you're getting a good, you know, whole view of the dwarves in their life and basically, I mean, everything that they do. Um, And then right before you enter the inside part of the queue. In the mine, I like that you can see the key by the vault.
0: And so if you haven't seen the movie recently, that is a direct depiction of what happens in the movie where they at the end of the day, they load up all their jewels into the vault and Dopey is responsible for locking the vault and keeping up with the key. But to make sure he doesn't lose the key, he just hangs it right next to the vault door. Really funny scene.
1: Classic Dopey.
0: Um. I, I really like that one too. I never noticed the key until we started researching.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're just I think they're little things that you miss and I feel like especially since as you go into the mine, you're probably really excited to a get closer um, and then B get some air conditioning so you you know just kind of rush on in without looking at it. but I think that's a nice touch. So a couple nods to storytelling just in the queue, which is something that we always look for. Because it's kind of setting the scene for the whole ride, which is important if you're trying to tell a story.
0: What is the story of this ride?
1: Well, I was going to say that for last. We're building up to that. Okay. I do think there's a story. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm waiting. (laughs) All right. So, of course, once you board the ride vehicles... The most distinguishable thing of of something that we've already talked about is that these mine cars are on bevels that allow you to swing back and forth. And I think that's a really cool aspect of it. It it ups the thrill factor a little bit. I know the first time you ride it or if you haven't been on it in a while, it's always something that catches you a little bit off guard because it is a more uh, drastic feeling going around turns. My favorite thing, and I know you hate this is when you slow down to go through the mind scene, always rock back and forth and try to see how much I can rock my train.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it, but like nervous, like the nervous little kid Catherine within me, like it kind of panics me a little. That's something that would have pushed me over the edge as a kid. I would have hated that.
0: I know that some of the nods to Snow White's Care Adventure take place. In this part as well that you like, right?
1: Are you talking about like in the very beginning of the ride? Yeah. Yeah. So on that very first lift, so there's like two lift parts in the ride. And on the first one, when you're outside, I mentioned this last week for Snow White Scary Adventure, but I like that you can see the two vultures and you cannot confirm nor deny that they're the same or that they're replicas either way. They're supposed to mimic the vultures that were originally in snow white scary adventure. So I don't know if they're the exact same ones or if they're replicas. I like to pretend that they're the same because that makes me happy, but I don't know if that's a fact.
0: And then one of the next scenes would be going into the mine. Like I mentioned, and I want to talk about, The projection mapping.
1: Yes, I have a love-hate relationship with this because I'm honestly not a fan.
0: I was a fan. When this attraction first came out, I thought projection mapping the faces. And if you're not familiar with that terminology, it's just the way that they are using lights and video to throw the face onto the dwarves is the same thing that you see in frozen ever after frozen ever after ruined it for me.
1: I think they do a much better job with it here. And when we talked about frozen ever after we mentioned, it's mostly because of their very fair skin. Like you can, it's like they have a makeup line here. They don't have the same issue, but I'm a sucker for Just a classic animatronic, just because I mean, I know how I guess how much work would go into that. I mean, I don't know, but I can imagine how much work would go into it. And I know that the photo mapping is a huge, you know, piece of technology, and I can appreciate that it gives them like a wider range of facial expressions and everything like that. And I mean, I think that maybe helps tell the story with, you know, seven unique characters you know all the dwarves but i mean the other half of me is like it's just kind of the not the lazy way out but like the easy way you know let's just project it on there
0: yeah i mean i think i liked it before now over time especially now that we've seen how far animatronics have come it just it looks really poor i do think a projection mapping that i do like throwing it back to some of our old episodes is Constance in Haunted Mansion. I like her projection mapping because well, she's supposed to be a ghost. I get there's a difference there.
1: It is, I, I agree. I think it fits well in that context because you're going for that kind of look. I mean, it fits a ghost. I don't know if it fits
0: the dwarves. So, and- but let's be honest in this scene, are you doing anything other than singing? I ho!
1: No, but I'm looking at the dwarves and singing with them and I think especially because at the end you have the animatronics it almost it's almost mismatched. Even though they're not prominent and you know sometimes you go by really fast and you can't really see them inside the cottage it is mismatched.
0: It is mismatched. While well, we're on the topic uh, topic of technology I want to talk about Photo Pass. I think this is a really underrated Photo Pass opportunity, mainly because they upload the video for you as well. That's in slow mo, but it's like high def.
1: I mean, you, it's a great
0: video. And you get at least one picture. Do you get two pictures? Maybe it's one picture and one video. You might get two and two. I just think it's a really. Great photo pass opportunity. It, like it's one of those that the lighting is always really good right there because you have a really dark background with the dark greens and browns of the mountain behind you. And it just makes for some really good photo pass opportunities. So this is one of the like we don't get I mean, we have photo pass obviously with our annual pass. I sometimes download the seven doors behind terrain where most others we typically don't. We don't even look for the ride photo most often.
1: Well, and I also have to think too. I don't know exactly why they chose this ride for video. I mean, we don't have video on other rides, do we? Tower of Terror. Tower Okay, yes, you're right. So this ride, Tower of Terror, do you, I wonder if they're going to put it with others?
0: I would imagine probably so.
1: But I like for this one because we talked about how it's probably you know, a kid's first roller coaster. I mean, you can catch that in a video even more so than with a picture. And I wonder if Tower of Terror is the same way. I mean, it's it's kind of funny, you know, to go back and look at the video and look at facial expressions and things like that. Um, so I wonder if that's why they chose this one. It's kind of polarizing in a way. It's like a good memory. Like when you ride a ride, you can't see your kid's face. But in the video, you can't.
0: So other discussion topics, just specifically about the ride. We've never seen it in person, but apparently there's a hidden Oswald on the second lift hill. Do you believe it? We watched multiple videos where they're like, yeah, it's right there on the lift. Don't you and see then, it? And you're like, no, <laughs> you I don't go see. by
1: so fast. Yeah. I'd love to really hear from. not that the people online aren't real, but like a real like a person who can tell us like I've seen it. It is definitely there. I mean, we're going to look for it every time now because I feel like we have to see it now, but we've never seen it.
0: We're also the world's worst hidden Mickey people. That's true. And this one painfully bad.
1: And this one, they said it's on the left, like on on a beam
0: on the second hill. And it's like a full, full body picture. of Like his
1: arms are stretched out. They're like, yeah, didn't you see it? No. Um,
0: we do know what Oswald looks like.
1: We do. Yeah, we we are familiar with what he looks like. I don't know if we'll ever see him, but we're going to try. And you can try, too. It'll be a good game for all of us, I think. Um, we also heard a story about, so the Imagineers, we've heard this before. My favorite is um, the Haunted Mansion, but they kind of play little tricks on each other. Where, you know, they obviously work with each other and they learn, you know, fears, likes, dislikes, you know, and little office pranks. And I guess one of the Imagineers that worked on this ride did not like grasshoppers. So as a trick or to pay homage to that Imagineer, they actually put a little grasshopper on the ride. You have to look up like right as the ride is starting. Um, like before you kind of go down that first little hill to start the ride,
0: he's on a wooden beam as well.
1: Yeah, something about wooden beams. Apparently,
0: I guess it's just easy to hide stuff up there. That's true. Uh, a question that you may have at this point as well, since we talked about Walt Disney Imagineering did this solely by themselves. Imagineers were scared of grasshoppers. Yada yada yada. You would ask, who were the Imagineers for this attraction? And it's a discussion that we haven't necessarily had in the storytelling episodes. Imagineers come up obviously all the time. We love to share their stories and their different takes and just like, you know, how these stories came to life. And if you've done research, you will notice that as time has gone on, and I'm hoping that this will unravel itself through history, you know, as books are written and, documentaries are made like the Imagineering story and things like that. But as time has gone on the more recent rides, you don't get to see or hear who is in charge as much anymore. There's some that you can put together by yourself. Like a lot of what Joe Rody does, he's out there doing the press conferences himself mm-hmm. and he's doing the interviews. We knew that he did guardians of the galaxy mission breakout because he talked about it extensively. Some of these others where maybe it's more of a group effort and you don't really know who's in charge and who's overseeing and who's consulting, you don't get as many names, which is really a shame because I want to highlight those Imagineers so much, but we don't have any that we can particularly point to on this attraction. I know many of you are trying to keep up with that as well. (laughs) Uh, Some of you have asked for like a spreadsheet that we can put together of Imagineers and what rides that they worked on. I I'd love to work on that. You do like spreadsheets. That's a big project. And I'd love to do that. But again, it's, it's just one of those things. And our friend Ryan pointed out something good in the past as well is that, you know, the whole idea behind Walt Disney Imagineering is that it's bigger than one person. And so it's not necessarily ingrained into that culture for anybody to get individual props that it's all a collective effort The magic is bigger than any of it, any single person. I think we all respect that. And that's why we love it so much. But I, that's a conversation I've wanted to have for a while. And this is a good example of why we can't just nail it down. There's not a spreadsheet that you can reference.
1: Yeah, not always, but maybe someday, like you said, I would love to get more You know, like part two of the Imagineering story on Disney Plus because we love that so much. But for now, no Imagineers. Is
0: there anything else you want to talk about for technology or you want to move on to storytelling?
1: I mean, I don't really have much else for technology if you don't. So storytelling. So, Brendan, you don't think there's a story here. Is that what we're getting at?
0: I think the story is that you're visiting the characters from snow white. There's no specific event happening. I guess if you have to place it within the movie, it's after snow white meets them, obviously. And before the evil queen has given her a poison apple. So you're in that time period where that she,
1: short window <laughs> In
0: that short window that's in the movie. That's only like 10 minutes long where she's happy. Go lucky. She cleaned their cottage. She made them dinner. They're fat, happy, dancing, having a good time. But they also went to work at some point as well because you saw them at the mine.
1: Well, that's maybe before she gets to him. Could be. Which is what happened in the movie.
0: Maybe she's at home. She's at the cottage in that moment.
1: Yeah. So I will say I completely agree that this story that it's telling is not original. Um, So it is more like a dark ride where, you know, you are just kind of being placed into what happens in the movie. Um, and, you know, I like that. I like that um, they're kind of taking a different spin on it because, you know, we saw with Snow White's Scary Adventures, they were putting you in Snow White's position. They wanted you to feel fear. You know, they wanted you to be disoriented and confused and where are we going? What's happening kind of thing um, like she felt. And I think this one is definitely putting you in the perspective of the dwarves. So I like that. I think it's a little different. And I mean, just going from like the beginning of the ride where you pass their cottage, you have to go into the mine. You see, you know, like the key, like dopey has and everything. And then you get into the mine. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're just in their shoes. Um, and then I like at the end where, you know, you do pass their cottage again. So you're kind of coming full circle. And even though it's a short ride and the story is not extensive, I think it's
0: there. There's something there. and. To me, what I struggle with is that we just raved about Snow White's scary adventure because it was so far ahead of its time where they realized that in a short setting like that, they could not tell you the entire story of the movie. So they told it to you through emotion. Obviously, they led very heavily with fear. Very heavy. I don't know if you get the emotion in this one. That's where it falls flat for me you get the thrill it's enjoyable it's joyous
1: but okay think about it from this point of view the dwarves don't have a single care in the world like you are going from their point of view they they do their job every day they like what they do they sing at work they go home this time they went home and snow white was there and they're happy so they're dancing they're well fed You know, I, there's not much else to their story. If you're riding this ride from their perspective and you're going through their day, there's not much to it. If you think about it from that point of view.
0: I think there's like maybe just one or two additions or changes that you could do that would, that would make this awesome.
1: Do you know what those are or are you just throwing it out there?
0: You put the evil queen at the beginning.
1: At the beginning.
0: Or maybe even in the queue. And How so, would that change it? Because then you're in a runaway mine train and you're running away from the evil queen.
1: Hmm. Would people get that, though?
0: Like, maybe. Probably not. Probably 90% of the people would still experience it the same way that they do now. That it's a fun, small coaster that is themed loosely on the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But for us that love the story aspect of it, putting the queen at the beginning or making there's some aspect of the queen is trying to get after you. Or maybe you're trying to protect Snow White, whatever it might be. I think there's something I can't. I know it was either Tony Baxter or Joe Rody, And I know we bring them up every episode. But one of them, I remember said, every good ride makes you feel like you're going to die. <laughs>
1: And it like something they would say.
0: There's a lot of times you can put that into a thrill context of that. I'm falling down an elevator shaft. Am I going to die? And the fact that you're safe is what makes you enjoy the ride. But I also think that dark rides can do that as well. You saw that in snow white, scary adventure. You guess kind of get it in like Peter Pan's flight. You get it in a honey mansion for sure. I think you could have done something lighthearted here it doesn't have to be as scary as snow white scary adventure but something to make you think you're gonna die
1: i just wonder if maybe because snow white scary adventure was so much they just styled it way back you know maybe they were just like this was too much for our magic kingdom people we've just got to Give the people what they want. Give them happy.
0: And that's fine. It's 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 good. It serves that purpose. I think there's something more that could have been unlocked.
1: Hmm. I mean, at the beginning, I could I could see your twist on it because I mean, you do have the vultures. So that could be alluding to something bad happening. Obviously, that's not the route that they went. I could maybe see that
0: if you I compare have- it to even if you can compare it to Big Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, the average guest rides it. And the only aspect that they know that you're in danger is, you know, the dynamite and Disneyland or the, uh, you know, the different references to things that you see throughout you deep, you dive into a deeper level and you understand the backstory about the proprietors and the town that you're in and that it's cursed. The mountain is cursed and it wants to protect its gold and silver. I wish there was just something more for us to jump into. It's almost like what you see is what you get to a certain extent, which now I realize contradicts what I said that at the very beginning of this episode. <laughs> I've I've talked myself into a mental pretzel, but it's like, I really, really want to love this ride, but there's something holding me back.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I do just kind of have to take it as I see it and accept that it is what it is. And that's what has allowed me, I think, to enjoy it. Like once I get past it's short and you know, this, that, and everything else. Once I get on it, I'm happy. And I I would agree with that. I think maybe that's all it was meant to do. Maybe there's not supposed to be some kind of crazy storytelling here. Maybe we're looking too much into it.
0: Well, I mean, that's, that's our whole series here. That is, I mean, I would agree with that. I have never, as long as I don't wait over 30 or 45 minutes, (laughs) I've never gotten off this attraction said man that was not good every time you laugh you sing you smile you do all the things that you would want to do in fantasy land mm-hmm. i think that's uh, that's what i have to keep coming back to this is fantasy land it's not about thrills right here this is about telling a, a fantasy style story
1: through the perspective of the dwarves
0: through the perspective of the dwarves through clenched I mean, teeth
1: that that
0: fits it
1: i feel like if anything that's the best we've got
0: so let's hear what our listeners had to say okay we asked our facebook group of course like we do every week to use our rubric give it their score or just tell stories that they have from this attraction so our friend Catherine said an eight and a half for me. My kids love this ride and always want to ride it when we go, but I'm not one to wait very long for it. I think you got a rope dropper. You got to fast pass it.
1: Yeah. unfortunately, those are really your best options. And, you know, we're not much more for rope dropping, but you got to do what, what? you got to do. I know. Crazy. Crazy. Um, Lauren. Said, I love how smooth this ride is, and I love that it's based on an old classic movie instead of something new and trendy. And I think I can appreciate that, too.
0: So we watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves before last episode on Scary Adventures. And that movie was much better than I remembered it.
1: There's a lot more that I think there's scenes that I had completely forgotten about, like the hand washing, for example. Completely forgot about that. Um, There's some things about the evil queen that I completely forgot, you know, like her purpose, like why she hated Snow White, what she wanted to do to Snow White, um, different things like that. Um, Just like the, the real depth of her evil. So I do think that this is one that should be revisited. And I think, you know, maybe this ride doesn't do a, a good job of completely telling Snow White's story. But I also think, you know, in storytelling that these rides are getting away from that. You know, they're not just doing a retelling of the story anymore.
0: Amanda gave it a nine point two five. So she the only thing she marked off for were worth the time investment. Uh, she chose the point seven five category, which is check the wait time constantly, see if you can fit it in and then stand by no more than 30 minutes. So similar Similar type of questions. I think kind of everybody's on the same page there that. But everybody's on the same page, but people still get in line for it all day long.
1: I, I think because your kids can really persuade you. I mean, if Ellie said Uncle Brennan, will you take me on this ride? Four hours. Exactly. We'd be in that line happy about it.
0: Thankfully, she's not tall enough yet.
1: <laughs> so Sarah gave it a seven and a half. She said, I have so many great memories with my family on this ride, but it's on the shorter side, especially for how long many people have to wait. I always rope drop or fast pass it. It's a way to go. We agree.
0: And then lastly, Stacy gave it an 8.25. I'm not a big roller coaster fan, but this ride is just so perfect for me. Perfect thrill factor, exciting, but not too much. And the dark ride elements are so fun. That brings me up to a point that I missed. We're circling back. Circle the wagons. Rewind. What? <laughs> We're going back. Was this one of the first story coasters that you've been on? Uh, so um, on, when I talk about a story coaster, I think Big Thunder does it to a certain extent. Okay. Not a ton. So
1: you wouldn't put Big Thunder in that category?
0: To me... One of the biggest things of a story coaster is that it shows you different scenes at different speeds. So I'm thinking... So you're
1: completely disregarding your comment that there's no story here.
0: This is a story coaster. I'm saying that it laid the groundwork for story coasters, which now is my favorite type of attraction. Without a doubt, a story coaster is... Everything and anything that I could ask for. Slinky Dog Dash does it to a certain extent. And then the pinnacle is Hagrid's. Slinky does it more through the queue and the surrounding land. But Hagrid's Magical Motorbike, which now we're jumping over to Universal, that is the pinnacle story coaster. And I think Disney's going to go that route. I, th-
1: I mean, I think they have to.
0: I think that Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is going to be a story coaster. It has to be to a certain extent. And does this seven George Mine train, where it plays with the dark ride elements and the coaster elements, was it groundbreaking in that way?
1: I'm trying to wrap my head around like this, the whole story coaster concept now and trying to categorize a lot of different things. But I mean, yeah, I think since this ride, we've seen, a lot more development and a lot more like going towards that direction. I mean, we're going to have Tron very soon. Um, I would say the Incredicoaster falls into this category. And I love the Incredicoaster because I feel like when you look at it, it looks just like a, you know, your normal standard roller coaster. And then when you get on it, there is a story and it's so subtle, but it works. I'm obsessed with the Coaster and I've only ever done it once. Um, so I'd say yes. I don't know if they knew what they were doing when they did it. Like, I don't know if they knew at this time that this was going to be almost like a new category of ride.
0: Cause most story or, or sorry, most coasters can tell a story but it's mainly done through the queue and the exit. That's what I think big thunder falls into.
1: So then in that standpoint, I would say Slinky kind of falls into that too.
0: That's fair. I mean, the fact that Slinky talks to you makes, tells me a story, but
1: I'm the biggest Slinky dog fan in the world, but I just have to, again, we need, we need rubrics.
0: (laughs) So maybe Slinky's not a story coaster, but Hagrid certainly is. And I think this is too. I think it's on the lower end and it was, you know, done back in 2014. So I think it was a brand new concept at that time.
1: So just like Snow White Scary Adventure, this ride is ahead of its time.
0: Correct. But I think Snow White Scary Adventure was ahead of its time and it set the bar for the longest time is what a dark ride was supposed to be. This one like scratched the surface on what you can do in a story coaster setting.
1: And it was all done by Imagineers. So maybe that's why. Bravo. Maybe that's how we have this new category. Thank you. Imagineers.
0: Thank you for Hagrid's.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Stop bringing up Hagrid's. Wrong park.
0: We're doing an episode on Hagrid's eventually.
1: I mean, eventually we'll have
0: to once everybody's had a chance to ride it and like six years then we'll do it
1: if we can wait that long
0: okay time for our scores we did it again
1: and i did my score first this time because last week brendan thought that i copied him so i gave it as
0: 5.75 and i gave it a 5.75
1: so i'd say in looking at our scores um I mean,
0: we're never more than one category off of each other.
1: Yeah, we both. Which I don't I'm trying to pick like which ones we agreed on. Love it or fix it. You know, don't change too much, I guess. I mean, after talking through it, would you change your answer on that?
0: I would maybe say that there's more that they could do. I mean, the, the length of the track is the biggest thing holding you back. That's true. Two minutes and 50 seconds. is just not a lot of time to build up emotion or build up a sense of danger. True. So, I mean, yeah, make it bigger, but I don't think they can with the footprint.
1: Yeah. And I don't think they ever would
0: knock down Dumbo.
1: <gasps> I'm just kidding. You better be. Um, as far as like immersion, I think it's pretty good. I mean, again, I can't pinpoint exactly what's missing. But it's just not to the same level with, you know, smells and maybe the emotion part is playing into it, too. You don't feel completely immersed in what's going
0: on. I thought it was interesting. You rated it like next to nothing for nostalgia. I think it's nostalgic just for the fact that it reminds me of Snow White's Scary Adventure.
1: I guess so. I mean, I don't have a ton of memories from Snow White's scary adventure. That maybe my like parents. Something
0: that you would skip.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe my parents just never took me on it because the word scary was in the title. I mean, I know I must have done it.
0: If you did do it, you probably went and got ice cream immediately after.
1: 100%. Yeah. Where's the closest Mickey bar? But I yeah, did- nostalgia just doesn't do much for me.
0: I did think it was interesting. We both. Gave it almost full marks for Smile Factor, which is what we kept coming back to. You can you can pick apart the story as much as you want, but at the end of the day, nobody's sad getting off of this ride.
1: And ultimately I think that's what Fantasyland is. I think you go I think you go to other places for the thrills, for the adventure, for the thrill seeking
0: i was about to say tell the dad who doesn't necessarily want to be in disney world who got stuck in a boat jam on it's a small world that you're supposed to be happy on every ride
1: (laughs) well (laughs) i think there's only that's a that's a separate circumstance in a perfect fantasy utopia everything would just be happy there
0: There's only so many sunflowers and say bienvenidos, Catherine, as you're leaving, (laughs) that can cheer you up.
1: The number. (laughs) Anywho.
0: (laughs) So we both gave it a 5.75. You know, we're always historically lower scores than the listeners. I think it's just because we're forced. Not forced, but we do this every week. So we got to try to stack these up on top of each other. Not everything can be perfect.
1: And now eventually you will have to go through and make a spreadsheet with all of our scores because we write them down and we have, you know, like an ongoing page where we write all of these down. You need to make that into a spreadsheet. So then at the very end of this, it'll be a very long time. By the time we get through all of these rides, we can see the best and the worst.
0: Well, after we finish these, we're, go- we're doing the international parks.
1: And universal
0: And then by the time we finish that, they'll build new attractions. So So what you're saying
1: is we'll never be done.
0: Correct. But we can create a spreadsheet. We can create a reference for all of our scores and take it from there. So any other final thoughts on seven dwarfs mind train? I always spell this incorrectly. I learned always put a V in dwarfs and there's no V.
1: What? No, that is not. That cannot be right. I feel like.
0: Seven dwarfs with an F mind train.
1: Huh. Well, I just learned something new today.
0: Color you shocked.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, as far as takeaways, I almost wish we still had Snow White Scary Adventure, selfishly, because I would like to ride it now as an adult and see what it was like and experience that.
0: Well, good thing we can go to Disneyland.
1: I know, but it's you not want the them. full I want
0: version. want cool. the
1: scary, scary Magic Kingdom version, like the upped version. And we'll never get that, which is fine. I wish we still had that. And I appreciate everything that they brought to Fantasyland.
0: Is there a world where this could still exist with Snow White's scary adventure? I don't think it could.
1: I don't think so. I don't think Snow White is popular enough to have two attractions, unfortunately. And I think that's kind of what it boils down to. Um, I mean, I think there are some movies that could handle two rides.
0: I was about to say, what IP does Toy Story? Toy Story. Are th- is there any other IP who has multiple attractions? I guess Little Mermaid, technically, between the show and the ride. I guess Frozen. But in the same park. In the same park. I mean, Star Wars and Toy Story might be the only ones.
1: And that's. And I don't know if that even counts because it's their own land, you yeah, know? I was
0: about to say, that's just a trend of building these own immersed lands.
1: So, no. I guess that's the answer.
0: So, yeah, I don't know if Snow White could carry that, carry that load. No. What if they switch? What if they did what they originally wanted to do? Gave Sleeping Beauty the Dark Ride, and then gave us Seven Dwarfs Mine Train.
1: I would be quite interested in that because I do think. Like Snow White. We need to go back and watch that one. I think it's probably a lot darker than we realize. I think Maleficent falls into that same realm as the evil queen, where I think she's a lot darker than maybe we give her credit for. Mm -hmm. And her little henchmen, they're kind of creepy, aren't they? I can picture them in my mind. I don't even know their name. She
0: also turns into a dragon. That's true.
1: That would be a killer ending talk about thinking you're going to die.
0: It burns you. It literally burns you, scorches you. Mm
1: -hmm. Disney could probably do something really cool with that.
0: Well, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode about seven dwarfs mind train. We hope that next time you write it, that you catch something new, you get a deeper appreciation for it. Just makes you think a little bit harder about it or sparks a conversation between you and your family. We will be back this week, continuing with our second episode in our one little spark series where we are taking emotions and pinpointing where we can try to find those in the parks or at home through Disney. So hope you can join us for that. Make sure you are subscribed on whatever podcast platform you listen to and so that you will know when a new episode is dropped. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you soon.